Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football. A lot of news going around the USC Trojan football program. We're going to talk about that, all, all of it, with Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Or if you go to his website, harveyhyde.com, you can find his episodes, his thoughts on what's going on in the world of USC Trojan football. And we love picking his brain. Every week on Mondays, we're going to do that today. But before we do, just want to let you know, you can email us into the show if you have any questions for us. we got a bunch of emails from you guys this week. Podcast at uscfootball.com. Just send your email into there. We will get it on the show and talk about whatever you would like to talk about, especially during the long offseason. You can also call or text us if you want to hear your voice on the podcast. Try to keep it brief. 424-254-254. 9141 is the number, and if you'd like to send us a text, you can do that as well. We will read that just like we'd read your emails, but we'd prefer if you have an Apple podcasting app on any of your devices, leave us your question there, a five-star rating, subscribe to the podcast for sure, but if you leave a question, we'll bump it up right to the top of the show. Any feedback suggestions you have, we love it, but leaving that five-star rating really does help grow the show, so we ask you guys to do that each and every week, and each and every week, we love talking to the coach. Harvey Hyde, he's on the line right now. Coach, how you doing, sir? Ryan, I'm doing great. And again, uh, we want to thank all of you out there that listen to our podcast and so on. And uh, please be a part of our show. We try to answer the questions that you ask us uh, to our best of our ability. And remember, it's only an opinion. And we tell you straight out. I mean, I don't, uh, uh, you know, try to throw you any curveballs. They're going to be right down the middle of the plate. So, here we go. Let's get started. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to start? You you call the play, Ryan. What do you want to do? Well, thanks, Coach. So I think we got to start off because just within the last, we're recording this uh, you know, early afternoon on Monday, and within the last couple of hours or hour or so from the recording time, USC finally made it official, something we've uh, been talking about for a while. Clay McGuire is going to be the new offensive line coach. As you know, Tim Drevno was fired by Clay Helton, and they needed to bring somebody in. I broke, I think, about a week ago. Maybe it was a, yeah, I think, yeah, about a week ago or so, or maybe late late last week, uh, that Clay McGuire was going to be USC's offensive line coach. So he's actually had 10 years of experience with Mike Leach. So he's an air raid guy, you could say. He's worked with him at Texas Tech and also at Washington State. He also has connections to Graham Harrell, coach. He was on the same Texas Tech football team where he was a running back, not an offensive lineman, but he was a running back. Uh, I think his senior season and then Graham Harrell came in redshirted, but then Clay McGuire stayed on staff and was like a video analyst and kind of worked his way up to special teams coordinator while Graham Harrell was in college. And then Graham Harrell's first uh, coaching job at Washington State, uh, Clay McGuire was on staff there. So worked for Mike Leach. So there's the air raid system. Also worked for Cliff Kingsbury. So um, some, some, you know, as far as offensives go, works for some high powered offensive head coaches. Clay Helton said, we're excited to welcome Clay McGuire to the Trojan family, his extensive knowledge of our offensive system and time spent under great offensive minds like Mike Leach and Cliff Kingsbury made him a top target for us. His ability to develop players and build relationships and recruiting will help our program grow. We look forward to the passion and competitiveness he will bring to our football team. So a um, couple of notable uh, names at, at, you know, when he was at uh, Washington State, State coach, wasn't like he recruited four-star guys. They were a bunch of three-star, two- and three-star guys. But Cody O'Connell was a two-time All-American and actually Outland Trophy finalist at Washington State. Uh, there was also Joe Dahl, who ended up, he, he was all Pac-12 first team, played for the Detroit Lions. And uh, Andre Dillard, uh, he, was a, he was also an all Pac-12 player and a first-round draft pick. So he did. De- it looked like he did develop some of these offensive linemen. They had really good passing stats in his offenses. Coach, uh, the, at Washington State, the uh, sack numbers weren't great, and it, you know that's one of the things that was uh, a knock where they got the quarterbacks at Washington State got sacked quite a bit, 
And the year he left, uh, those sack numbers got better. Obviously, Washington State's not a huge team that runs the football all the time, but did develop offensive linemen. They did have a lot of passing yards. Uh, so there's some good, some bad, you know, some, and, you know, and he's coming over from Texas State uh, right now. But obviously, like we talked about, he worked for some big time offensive minded head coaches before. But that's a, a mouthful. Just going to give you the quick background, I guess, maybe not as quick on Clay McGuire. What are your thoughts uh, on the hire, coach? Well, first of all, I got to uh, congratulate him. I mean, uh, to work at USC, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, I mean, over any other place he's ever been. Not that those other schools aren't fine schools, but it, I don't think it had, they have the tradition of what USC football is all about and what I think it should be all about. I think it's the face of the Pac-12 and everything else. Uh, how many Heisman Trophy winners have played at those schools that he just mentioned? I'm not quite sure, but I know the USC's had a lot of them. And uh, I think that uh, working there is, is a, pri- a privilege. I, I, I've told you before, I would go to work there when I was a young coach and was coaching. I'd have said, don't pay me anything. I'm just proud to be a part of the staff. Pay me what you got left. And uh, so I congratulate him. I sort of uh, uh, hesitate for a moment getting another coach out of the state of Texas. You've got so many coaches out of the state of Texas now on the staff that you really have forgotten about the local atmosphere of recruiting. I mean, you've got your offensive coordinator out of Texas, your running back coach out of Texas, your defensive coaches out of Texas, except for Williams. Now your offensive line coach out of Texas. I mean, the local spirit of making contacts and communicating with local coaches and putting a fence around California hasn't really there when you hire so many coaches out of the state of of Texas. So uh, maybe, uh, like I said before, uh, maybe they're planning on recruiting all their players out of Texas. They've got great players there, but I think it's always great to have people on your staff that when someone walks in the door, like a Ron Yeri or Munoz or somebody, that people know who they are and welcome them. And I know Clay Held now knows that, but I think it's always great to know your alumni players and have a relationship with alumni players and be an ex player like they have a couple on the staff that are. Uh, but, you know, when I look at USC, I, I look at it at Alabama. Alabama loses Steve Sarkeesian. He takes two or three of the assistants there, lower staff people, uh, to uh, Texas with them. And I'm sure they got great pay raises, but he wouldn't have taken without Nick Saban's approval. I'm going to tell you that right now. And who does Nick Saban bring in? He brings in Bill O'Brien, head coach at Penn State, uh, head coach of uh, – the professional to Houston. I mean, he brings in somebody of that category to fill a position, and also he brings in Doug Marone, head coach of Syracuse, head coach of Buffalo, head coach of Jacksonville, to come in and be his defensive coordinator. There's a different level of who your assistant coaches are and who you're not afraid to be around. So it's quite an impressive thing when you're recruiting and you'd be able to tell a kid, these coaches have been head coaches in the NFL, and they've got a lot of communication with people in the NFL. And if you want to play in the NFL, this is a great opportunity because if Nick Saban's even coaching the NFL, and you know who he is. So I think it's really important on the, the popularity of your staff, the experience of your staff. And, uh, you know, Nick Saban put this year three coaches into head football coaching position. So that's pretty impressive. And why? Because he wins. That's why. Because they win and people want that type of uh, coach and that type of program. So congratulations to him. Uh, I'm very happy for him. I just hope he's the answer for the air attack uh, 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 program that now they have developed and the Texas staff that they have at USC. It's interesting. Excuse me. Interesting point on the Texas staff aspect. I didn't really Kind of look at it that way, but it's true. Um, but if you're going to get, there's a lot more air raid stuff kind of going on uh, in that state than there is around here. So it's almost like you have to kind of go there uh, if you want to keep along those same air raid routes uh, that they're they're staying along now. But I, yeah, we talked about this, coach. I thought they would go with an air raid guy. Uh, they end up going with with an air raid guy. You know, we had heard there were some other names, guys that they were looking at, and it's. You know, when you have an embattled head coach, it's not always going to be easy to get exactly who you want. I think we're hearing people out of USC saying like, yeah, this was Clay McGuire's the first choice all along. I had heard otherwise <laughs> um, that maybe he wasn't the, the first choice, but 
to me, if you're going to stick with this offensive system, it makes sense to have an offensive line coach that knows that system. You can agree or disagree that you like the system, you don't like it, whatever. But I didn't think it made a lot of sense. You're not helping the system by having like a pro-style offensive line coach and an air raid offense that you're coaching with. It just seemed like Drevno and, and Harrell just weren't seeing eye to eye on this. And they needed somebody to come in that was at least familiar with the system and could teach the right blocking schemes that would work with that system. Well, I think it's important, uh, but uh, as I've said all along, uh, you know, you've got to be able to have all facets of the game, and with the, only the air rate attacked, uh, you don't have all three assets or what you need uh, to win championships. And and you do this when you're at a school like a Texas Tech or a Washington State or some of the other schools that don't get the great athletes that some of the other schools get, so they try to even the playing field by doing something different, where it's hard to get ready for them as far as playing them. So... You know, I, I, that's just my opinion. I've been consistent on that through this entire uh, podcast and this entire hiring and all the different things that go on there. You're not going to win conference championships unless you're able to run the football, be physical, get under center when it's necessary, and do the things that championship football teams do. But, of course, Clay Helton has his philosophy, and uh, if he wants to go with that, that's his privilege. But, he, uh, you know, uh, I hope that's not another... Uh, indication that we're not going to run the football or, or do some of the things that it takes to win. I just hope it isn't. I, I wanted to talk to you about that, Coach, because I get I mean, I think that's not a Clay Helton type of offense. Um, it's a Graham Harrell offense, but they've completely bought into it. I think they did when Cliff Kingsbury was hired. They continued that with, with Graham Harrell. And there's definitely merits to just having a system. If they wanted to run the triple option, Coach, I don't care. I didn't like, well, you had like, five different people pulling in five different directions. You at least have one voice now and we can argue the merits of that, um, that, that system. But could you see a situation where they're going to stick to the, you know, the, the concepts that they want to, you know, their, their playbook and all of that, but still have a more effective running game, still have more effective short yardage game. Cause when we heard Graham Harold talk, it sounded like he wanted to run the ball you know, 40% of the time. It didn't sound like they just wanted to throw it all over the field every time. But this year when like the running game would struggle, he would, you know, Graham Hurd would talk about, well, Keaton Slovis completed 17 straight passes. So I'm not sure what to believe, but do you, do you see an opportunity here where USC can kind of stick to the, whatever the integrity of this air raid offense, but also show some of that toughness in the, the trenches, develop some of those offensive linemen and be a more effective, you know, running be a more effective team running the football oh certainly you know you got to believe in what you do and how you make your offense better and you got to be able to have different series and move your pocket and play action pass and be able to uh have your quarterback uh, you watch these uh, quarterbacks play they're not great athletes as far as aaron Rodgers and some of them but they move around the pocket and they do different things they have great running games and and uh, the backs aren't just pass blockers and at USC currently right now, I don't know what running back is going to go to USC because they, they've heard this now for two years. And, and uh, one of your best backs or could be the best back in the country maybe at some time, uh, steps leaves. And uh, I'm not sure if Carr is coming back or anybody else. But, the, you, you know, you can't just talk it year after year after year. You have to show it and uh, be able to uh, get it done. And I haven't seen it, so I'm not going to believe it, okay? I'm not going to believe it until I see it, and I think he's stubborn. I think Graham Harrell's really stubborn uh, when I listen to him talk, and I think he talks down to people at times when he makes the comments he makes. So we don't do that around here without explaining a certain thing to you people as far as the media people, I, and I don't, I don't respect that. And I'd like to have more of a definite answer as far as why and what and uh, honesty. I think honesty, that's why people get upset. But, uh, you know, there's not honesty. We're going to be so physical. We're going to do this. We're going to do that, as Coach Hilton, Hilton was saying. And they never did any of it. So why should anybody believe them? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying, Coach. Um, all right. Let's go on to the next topic because we have a lot of different topics. Uh, John David Baker. So if you remember, a good friend of Graham Harrell's came, you know, came with him on the staff, was an analyst, and, and last year was promoted became the tight ends coach uh, for USC. Only one year in the role, only six games. I uh, don't think that the USC tight ends were all that effective in 2020, but 
a familiar name, Lane Kiffin, comes in and reportedly swoops up uh, John David Baker, and he's going to head off to Old Miss. So probably a good sign that, you know, Graham Harrell did pick somebody that was pretty good as a coach, you know, an up-and-coming coach, if someone's willing to hire him away that quickly. But, you know, losing John David Baker, I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Coach. And we talked about this on Tunnel Vision. For me, whenever I've seen, you know, I wasn't as familiar with a lot of these spread offenses, certainly not the air raid from the teams that I had covered in the past. But I covered Fresno State a few years back when Devontae Adams was on the team and Derek Carr. And and a lot of this, then I looked at some of the other programs. When they had that kind of spread concepts, they didn't really go under center. Uh, it was really baffling to see fourth and one in there in shotgun. But they also had an inside receivers coach and an outside receivers coach. And that's something that USC didn't do. They ended up having, in year one in 2019, really only Kerry Colbert. And he wasn't familiar with air raid stuff. And he was the only wide receivers coach. They bring in John David Baker. I thought it would have been a good opportunity to say he's the inside receivers coach. They still call him the tight end coach. So I wanted to think what you think about should they get a quote-unquote inside receivers coach instead of a tight ends coach, since that's kind of what they're doing most of the time. And then – uh, you know, your thoughts on John David Baker, uh, you know, leaving the program after a year. Well, first of all, I think it's a great opportunity for John uh, David Baker. I do going to the Southeastern Conference. They probably tripled his salary. I don't know what they were paying him at, at USC, but he's going to go down there in a fresh program and get another opportunity of meeting people and probably having a little bit more authority as far as what what goes on with uh, Coach Lane Kiffin. So I, I want to congratulate him. He wouldn't left unless he felt it was a good opportunity for him. So he's on the, on his way out. And, and again, uh, you know, he probably didn't have to do much coaching. All the tight ends did were the H-backs, and, and they never really utilized the tight ends. So he probably got either tired of arguing, which he wouldn't do with the offensive coordinator, but he's a young coach, and young coaches don't do, do that. So he probably felt this is a great opportunity to, to get a new start and get on down there and do it. And as far as hiring a, a coach coming in, yeah, I'd do that. I'd hire two receiver coaches inside, and and uh, I'd make the tight end uh, basically the running back type of situation uh, coach with play-action pass and have him practice blocking and doing different things with the back so that, uh, you know, they have to run a running game. Uh, that's basically what I would do. I'd let him work a lot with the running backs and and the, uh, the running back coach and because he isn't going to catch the football unless he, they change. And uh, they don't really do that. They don't do that. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and I don't know, uh, tight ends keep going there. So, uh, you know, they're basically receivers or blocking backs until they start doing and utilizing their tight end. It ain't going to happen to me. You know, and it's just not going to happen. You've got to have a big physical type of receiver that you've seen Notre Dame. We go through it all. You see it in the NFL. You see them playing every Sunday and everything where they just mismanage, they punish the defensive backs. They don't want them to catch the football. They can't bring them down like London does, Drake London. Man, is he, they, he punishes the defensive backs. He's just such a winner. And well, you need that with the big tight end, too, that you drag across, and he's just bigger than everybody else, 6'6", 6'5", 250 pounds. It hammers you on the line of scrimmage, blocks your linebackers, can block down, gets the corner for you on the run, and then comes a back across or, or stays in and blocks and goes back in the flat just like Kansas City did uh, yesterday, and there he is standing all alone. So, you know, look what Kansas City did with their tight end. I mean, I was just throwing this out yesterday if people watch the game. He's a big part of your offense, and you got to utilize him. Yeah, there was a – utilization of tight ends wasn't great. Now, it's a weird year, and, uh, you know, I'll be curious to see with the – you know, full off season, what they what they come back and do uh, with this offense. Now that you would have, um, you know, a different offensive line coach as well. So I think there's some definitely some different factors there we're gonna have to look at going forward. Uh, so wishing uh, John David Baker uh, the best of luck. We'll see what he does over there with uh, Lane Kiffin. This is an interesting one, Coach. Um, so obviously, Alan Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, they've moved on. They're gonna you know test the NFL waters. But USC is getting a transfer portal guy, Katie Nixon uh, from Colorado, originally from DeSoto, Texas. Uh, as a senior at Colorado, he's going to transfer in. He'll have an extra year here at USC. Um, shorter guy, like 5'8 or 5'9, something like that. Um, but speedy. And, uh, 
you know, he's going to work with Keen Slovis uh, going forward. I, I, I feel if you watch some of his highlights, they used him a lot. I mean, he was a special teams guy. He could return kicks. Um, you know, I, I like his open field moves, uh, being able to make guys miss. Uh, he, like I said, he's got good speed. He can run by people. Uh, well, he had seven touchdowns, I think, in his four years at Colorado. Seven receiving touchdowns. He had, like, one rushing touchdown. You see a lot of the highlights, too. It was like, uh, you, it's one of those highlights, Coach, you watch. You're like, oh, yeah, he's going to he's gonna make three guys miss and turn this into a touchdown. And a lot of times, well, he made two guys miss. And he didn't make the last guy miss, and he's tackled. Um, so there wasn't, like, a ton of touchdowns there. But you, you look at his skill set, and it looks like, I mean, the guy's legit. He was playing with LaVisca Chenault, who was obviously uh, a stud there. I think he had like a 96-yard touchdown in, in one of the games a couple years back. But uh, I don't know if you got to see much, Katie Nixon. Any thoughts on him uh, joining USC's roster coach? Well, I'll tell you, the, the quick little guy, you see him in the NFL all the time in the slot receiver. They use him. And, yeah, I, I, I would think it'd be a nice move if they were – planning on crossing him in the backfield and giving him handoffs or doing uh you know two backs type of motion like they saw yesterday like you saw yesterday with the two uh backs that Kansas City has if they utilize that type of offense like Hartman and uh Williams then it work but I don't know if they're planning on doing that he's a he, you know he's he's a quick guy and he's good but is he better than what you already have at USC is that going to upset uh, the receivers that are coming back and the ones you've just recruited as far as saying, man, I mean, they got the pretty good receivers at USC and you're telling them they're not good enough. Or well, what are you telling them when you bring in a guy and don't get me wrong. I think USC has some great receivers there. In fact, uh, I would say that's probably the best position they have is regarding talent is at their quarterback or at their receiver place. So uh, I hope he helps. But I think you're stockpiling building area where uh, unless you do some different things and take advantage of what this kid can do, Dixon, and uh, with his speed and so on, then why bring him in? Yeah, they it, they definitely utilize him in a lot of ways where he could, like, you know, run in the backfield and catch a little uh, shuffle pass or swing it out to him. I mean, they, they try to utilize him a lot. And there, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Um, you spread things out and get a guy like that in some space. And you're going to have a lot of fun. I think you can be a first down machine if they use him the right way. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, some other good news. You know that Talanoa Hufunga coach, the you know All-American USC safety, left and he's going to the NFL. But his uh, teammate, Isaiah Polamau, was a little question mark if he was going to return or not. He's a redshirt junior, and he will return to the Trojan roster and be a redshirt junior again, like everybody gets to repeat. Whatever their eligibility year was for 2020, it will be the same in 2021. But Isaiah Polamau uh, coming back. Obviously, USC is recruiting very well in the secondary, and you're you're bringing in some some talent. But there's no substitute for experience, and having an experienced guy like Isaiah Polamau, uh, I think it's going to really help this secondary going forward. Want to get your thoughts on that, Coach? No, I agree with you. I agree. When I heard that announcement, I was really excited because he's a player. He's a tough kid. And uh, he does have the experience, and uh, he's a leader type of guy. I think it's great to have him back. I tell you, they're going to have pretty good secondary. They got some great players coming back. I know they lost a couple of, couple of uh, defensive backs, but they got some great recruits coming in. And William is doing a great job as far as in the future, as far as recruits coming in. So I think that area is going to be really strong, and I think him coming back is really going to help. I really like that because you got an experienced guy back there. And you've got some players returning, but you've got some great players coming in. So I would say the secondary is looking pretty good, not only this year, but the following year or two. Yeah, for sure. And then the, you know, just they got Damani Jackson committed, the five-star quarterback from modern day. He's class of 2022, so that's going to be a while. But for sure, Dante Williams and uh, Craig Nive are doing work there. But you know, getting that experience back is going to be big for USC. So uh, good for uh, – Isaiah, I know he was mulling over that decision to leave or not, and he's sticking around. All right, one last topic, Coach, before we jump into questions. Uh, I tweeted this out, ding dong, the witch is dead. Uh, Larry Scott, no longer going to be the Pac-12 commissioner as of June of 2021. Been a long time coming. We've talked about a lot of his shortcomings. I'll give you the floor. Whatever you want to talk about, more of his shortcomings, anything he did well, uh, you know, we could talk about 
who they should look at to replace him, what kind of person they should replace Larry Scott with. But I, I wanted to give you the floor, Coach, because I know you have a lot of thoughts on Larry Scott. Champagne. Here, I'll play this drop for you. We love this one. The truth is we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> That was uh, John Canzano on the podcast of Champions. I, I love the nickname for him, Champagne Larry. And he did. He loved the role large coach, the the presidential suites, the private jets, $7 million a year rent in San Francisco. But uh, get, get your thoughts on Champagne Larry, coach. Well, Champagne Larry, and then he won all the media days at all the studios. And we can go back. I mean, that just showed you how. Uh, non-prepared he was to be the commissioner of the Pac-12. I mean, we moved around to every different studio in town, and finally I quit going. Couldn't find a place to park, and the rooms were too small. But, you know, all of that, and that just started it all. Mr. Hollywood, wine and cheese guy. Nothing against wine and cheese. But, you know, he came into a position where he wasn't prepared for, and it's not his fault when you want to make pay a guy $5 million a year. And if you look at his contract and number of years he's been there, he's made about... 50 million dollars okay so you can't feel sorry for him 50 million dollars and finally the presidents with a lot of changing in the presidents that's been going on and so on they got smarted up to figure they're not really getting done what they want to starting with the revenue starting with the sharing of revenue which is what you which is absolutely ridiculous when they put that in and pat hayden agreed with that where if USC plays Notre Dame and they have a non-conference game they have 80,000 people in the coliseum they're going to share that with Washington State playing Eastern Washington on what they what they got attendance there that day in a non-conference game. I don't know who in their right mind would ever sign that, the Conference of Champions. But I'll tell you, it, it just, to me, I'm relieved because they can move on now, you know, and they can get a lot done. They, they're going to buy them out. They're going to do that when they started their own network. And he, you know, like you mentioned, uh, $9 million a year for rent up there, building a studio, his offices and, and all of the, instead of go, picking up a network and going with Fox and letting them uh, have this, you know, the expenses of most of everything. And let's see what happened. He, he fell in love with the cable system and the cable system uh, paid him a little money, pretty good money that DirecTV wouldn't pay him. And they did that purposely because the cable system used that as a marketing issue, a marketing way. That's what they did with the Dodgers. So DirecTV said, we're not paying that. We can't because we have to raise our rates to everybody else out there and all that we have in DirecTV, TV, and they won't pay it. So they never did get on DirecTV. So the Pac-12 lost a lot of who they were as far as national exposure and so on. And, uh, and that was under his leadership. And, uh, you know, it just, it just was, to me, I just think it was uh, uh, the wrong hire at the wrong time. And, and the whole conference, I mean, when USC got in trouble, with their, you know, six, uh, with that Reggie Bush situation. You, did you hear him come to USC's defense at all? Question anybody, call up Jim Delaney and say, hey, this is ridiculous, or Greg Stanky, or somebody say, how can this happen? This is not a fair decision. No, nobody said anything. And, you know, that's what your commissioner is supposed to do. If you tried to do that to a Big Ten school, Jim Delaney would be right down your throat. So, you know, these are the type of things I look at as far as strength strengthen your conference commissioner which you look forward to and the marketing and and i really feel that the image of the pac-12 under his leadership is diminished as far as the prestige of the pac-12 and that's something that the pac-12 has to get back to be a power five conference they need to get that back with leadership and you hear me talk about that leadership all the time when you talk about usc and trickle uh, trickling down they do hey this is what we want and this is what we're going to get done, and we're going to get somebody else type of attitude. So, you know, I, I think it was time, and finally they got smart, but uh, Larry made some big-time money. And, you know, the thing that I, I'm surprised with, again, uh, Southern California, the way I hear it, my inside scoops uh, for you guys, maybe you already know this, Ryan, but, you know, the selection committee is being chaired by two schools that aren't one even for Southern California where you have millions of people both are from the state of Washington. Now, I don't know if that's right. I think you ought to have that chaired by somebody from the South and somebody from the North, especially Southern California, where the majority of your revenue comes as far as in television, as far as the exposure and ratings. So, you know, we'll see what happens and we'll move on. But that's that I could talk all day on this topic, okay? But I'm not going to do it. 
Yeah, and that's so that's the Pac-12 um, CEO group, and uh, so Michael Schill is the head of that right now. So he's the president of the University of Oregon. He took over. Uh, when was this? Uh, in the middle of last year, middle of 2020. Uh, Philip De Stefano for Colorado. So I think you get a two year two year um, run as the uh, it, you know as as the leader of the conference's CEO group. Um, those are the presidents and chancellors who end up, uh, you know, winning, uh, the conference and, um, also Washington States, uh, Kurt Schultz is, is on there. And, uh, and also, um, uh, there's, a, I, th- I feel it, I think it's, uh, Washington also. So it's definitely a power shift to, um, the Pacific Northwest. Um, so right now, that they're, they're all of the 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 executive committee they're from that northwest quadrant up there um so it's uh yeah that's interesting and i think it would behoove them to get some feedback from you know the california schools if it's cal stanford usc ucla because obviously those are bigger markets and everything but yeah it's i feel like they know football well and uh you know it's going to be a pretty good group but not having California represented, I think, is a little bit of a concern, Coach. Well, it was to me. That's why I mentioned I didn't know about the Oregon, but I knew about Washington and Washington State. I just think that it's a lack of respect. I mean, maybe a lack of respect on who would represent them. I mean, I don't, don't they think that uh, somebody from UCLA or somebody from USC should be, it has the knowledge to be a part of that uh, as far as the selection commission uh, recommending a commission or the search committee? To me, that's a slap in the face, unless Michael Bonefield doesn't want to do that. But I certainly would want a relationship with the college, with my commissioner and my conference. So when I pick it up, I say, remember, I was the one that recommended you. Uh, I mean, type of attitude, have a, have a relationship. And I think that uh, not doing that, I'd volunteer for it if I was a college president, because I'd want to have that type of say and on what we have as our leader, and if that leader has the same philosophy that we do at USC. Otherwise, he's not going to get hired. We want to be recognized as a Power Five conference, and how would you get us there? We want national coverage. We want to play, uh, make it possible for us to be on national television as often as we can because the Pac-12 network is worth zero. It's not worth a penny as far as money's concerned. So, you know, you don't have any bargaining power with that whatsoever. So you've got to make a lot of changes. You've got to liquidate all that, save your expenses, and find a way to get uh, a new type of television network and, and get started from the bottom up. Yeah. No, I agree with you there, Coach. And just a little clarification. Um, so there's a chair of the CEO group, and that's Michael Schiller we talked about. And then you have the presidents from Washington and Washington State also on the executive committee. So the executive committee is a rotation, and it's based on seniority of among the presidents and chancellors, but only ones that haven't served. So like UCLA's Gene Block is one of the longest uh, tenured presidents by far, because there's been a ton of turnover in the Pac-12 presidents and uh, chancellors, but he's already performed those executive duties. So he's already had the leadership role there, so they're not bringing him back. USC's president is brand new, so there's no seniority there. Uh, Michael Crow from Arizona State, he's been around a long time, but he's already served. So it's just sort of like the luck of the draw, the way the rotation worked out. Right now, it's all Pacific Northwest presidents that are on uh, that executive committee. So, but like I said, even though they're not on, you know, you don't have uh, USC, UCLA, Stanford, or Cal on the executive committee, I think you need to coordinate with the, the California schools too, the bigger market schools, because, I mean, that's going to be a big part of what this uh, you know new commissioner is going to be able to do if you can monetize those uh, major markets and, and turn those into um, you know a, a much more lucrative t- television deal than what we've seen in the past from Larry Scott. Well, I would agree 100. Uh, you could get you're going to have more revenue and TV ratings out of Southern California than you all the rest of the other schools combined, just about as far as number of people. So, you know, I, I would I would think that with a decision such as a, a conference commissioner, that it'd be a little bit different as far as uh, whether you've served or not. There should be a special committee just for that alone, uh, because it's so important. And uh, I know when you consider Arizona and all those other states, I probably 
I don't know what the population of those states are, Washington and all these others, but I know in Southern California there's a lot of people. So I think that that's where a lot of ratings come, and that's where your real market is. So if you're putting together a new affiliate and a new television uh, contract and all of the above, I think it's real important. And, uh, you know, I don't know if the you know, college president at USC is one that should be on it. Yeah. Sorry to say that. I think she's got uh, maybe not the background. Sue, excuse me for saying that. She's very good probably in other areas, but this is this is a big hire. This is a big thing here. This is not just hiring somebody. You know, this is huge. It is a big deal, and I feel like the, the CEO group that they have, very football savvy, especially Michael Schill. So I think um, I think they'll they'll serve the conference well. So you got to put the, your your faith in the, the 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 CEO group and hope that they come up with uh, some good names. So well, I'll tell you who I'd uh, come up with. You oh, know yeah. who I'd come up with? Who? Uh, I'll tell you right now. I'd go after David Baker, the commissioner or the uh, Hall of Fame director of NFL Hall of Fame. He is the greatest speaker and the greatest person and the greatest leader. Knows California, knows everything. I'd, I'd call him up today and offer him the job. Do you know who he is? No, I know David uh, pretty well from his time when he was, you know, Sam's dad and was around the yeah. program. He was on the website a lot. It was on uscfootball.com a lot. Um, great guy. I mean, and a massive human being. Maybe the biggest person I've ever seen in person. Um, right. And the nicest, nicest too. Yes. Like as he was as nice as he is big. And uh, that's right. That's name. His name's definitely come up before. I would have no issues with something like that. That's just, that's more about trusting a person that's good at stuff. And I think he is, I think he could be a really good commissioner just because that's the kind of person he is. What, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you, he's got experience. He's got, you respect him. Everybody likes him. Uh, he's the one, for all of you that don't know who he is, he's the one that knocks on the door, and they open the door, and he says, welcome to the NFL Hall of Fame. I mean, this guy has done it all. And I'll tell you, he's, got a, he's an attorney as, as far as the background, a Southern California guy. Uh, he was a big player, big basketball player at Cal State Irvine. Irvine, I remember watching him play there. But uh, I'll tell you, he'd be the perfect choice. I would, I would, I would hire him. Right this minute. Yeah. Okay? He's that type of person. I'm on board, Coach. All right. Well, that was a lot of topics uh, we had to discuss. Uh, for the offseason, man, there's a lot of news. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer some questions. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Let's jump into these emails, Coach. We've got Jim B. He wants to talk about the offensive line, Coach. Uh, hey, guys, great program. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Jim. Uh, this guy's a great offensive line, Coach. If you all want to, if all you want to do is go eight and four or seven and five, finish second or third in the Pac-12 South, and take a quick trip to the Idiot Bowl and go home for Christmas and New Year's, this guy's a joke. So Jim's not a big fan of uh, Clay McGuire, apparently. One year, they only averaged 29 yards a game rushing for a 12-game season. Another year, they averaged 36 yards a game for a 12-game season. Some of his teams averaged down around 2.0 yards per carry for the season. Why in the world would any good running back want to go to a school where the backs average two yards a carry? I heard they were looking at some really good offensive line coaches, guys like Clayton Adams, Adrian Clem, Brad Davis, and Herb Hand. Why did they settle for this guy? It bothers me that we seem to be going hard after Clayton Adams, who seemed to want to get back into the college game, which he did when he signed with Arizona State. I would see that as a red flag if the program is deteriorating when a coach has a chance to go to USC or ASU and he picks ASU. It looks like, it looks to me like we are building a great mediocre program, just what the board of trustees ordered. Fight on from Jim B. Woo, a little fire from Jim. Jim, uh, vent as often as you want, buddy. You, you got to find a place to vent. Now, you know, you're basically, 
right on. Congratulations to McIntyre for getting the job. But from East, what is it, Texas State? I mean, don't get me wrong. Nothing against the school and so on, but not real impressive as far as coming in. And and I don't think that's a Clay Helton hire. That's a Graham Harrell hire, okay? I'm sure that Clay Helton never, never heard of him. Maybe he has. I don't know. But Graham wants to be in charge, and Graham wants his offense, and Graham wants his people that aren't going to argue with him or debate him on what he's going to do, and that's what you do. You hire somebody you know, you played with, or you know that he's going to do what you tell him to do, and that's what you do. And, uh, you know, right now that's where USC is, and uh, it's done, done deal. The school announced it, the hiring and so on. So we just uh, find out. I just hope we can be at spring practice again to see the running game and all the different things they're doing. But like I said earlier in the podcast, over the past couple of years, they've been talking about doing all of that, and they haven't done any of it, okay? So, uh, you know, all they do is pass against air and run against air, okay? All right. Uh, well, let's go. Speaking of the air raid, we have Stephen who wrote in and said, Hello, I have a question about the air raid system. Is air raid fully dependent on seeing and recognizing the defensive alignment? I don't think I ever saw Keen Slovis play under center. I don't remember seeing any significant misdirection plays or trick plays. USC survived because of three very talented receivers and a lot of luck. A lot of luck, he's saying. Could USC evolve into a team with a balanced offense, a solid run game, or just or use or use of the tight ends. That's from Steven. Absolutely. Could start immediately. Just having to believe in it, wanting to believe in it. I know your players would really believe in it. Maybe the receivers wouldn't all believe in it, because you'd have to take one of them out of the rotation and have another running back in there of some type. But uh, again, absolutely. You can change that in 10 minutes. When coaches get new head coaching positions, they go in in the spring and put in an entire offense, everything. So you can imagine with fall camp and spring practice, you could make a lot of changes with USC's offense. But you've got to have the will and the desire, and you've got to be able to want to do that because you really believe you need this to improve your offensive performance. Now, until you believe that, see, I'm not a stat guy. I'm not a guy. I'm a score guy. I want to know what the end of the game score is. I don't. I don't care about how many passes somebody caught. I want to know what the score is at the time of possession, and when we got a fourth and one, if we got it or not. When we get in the red zone, what we do. I'm. I'm. I'm this time, and when we need to run the football to make three first downs to keep the clock going and win a football game, we can do that. That's the type of program I want or believe in. And uh, right now, I don't think that there's the belief in it. I'm not quite sure just how much Coach Clay Helton has to say about it because he's either bought in or told Graham that you're in charge of the offense and you do whatever you want type of attitude. And right now, that's what it looks like to me because all the coaches work for Graham. They don't work for Clay Helton anymore because they're all associated with Graham Harrell. So to me, except for Kerry Colbert, for me – uh, you know, I, as a head football coach, I want everybody working for me and doing what I want them to do, not what just the offensive coordinator wants to do, the defensive coordinator, the special teams. I approve everything. And if I don't think we're doing these certain things right, I want you adding this. And if you can't add this, I'll get somebody else. And I think that's uh, what's lacking. All right. We have an email from Brennan in Texas. He says, Ryan and Coach, I just heard Keely Yours say her sources – told her that one of the uh, reasons why Aaron Osmus's contract wasn't extended was due to his staff not disciplining to the satisfaction of the people. Uh, coach, I've heard you say it time and time again, quote, the head coach tells the strength coach what system they want and sets the standard. So my question for you, coach, is if we have a soft serve uh, Clay Helton coaching, who I don't think has ever been out of the hundreds in team penalty rankings ever, how in the heck do they not see it's a culture and discipline problem from the top? Aaron Osmus can only do so much to discipline when the head man isn't doing any himself. Just a very sour taste in my mouth with that statement. It has nothing to do with Keeley, but whoever the source was that told her that. Thank you uh, for all you, you all do. Respectfully, Brennan in Kansas. Well, Brennan in Kansas, I agree with you. It all starts at the top with, uh, you know, don't ever... Uh, mislead yourself by saying kindness is weakness, okay? I can be kind, nice to people, but hey, don't mistake me. I can be a real you-know-what at the same time. 
And when I make a statement and ask for something and you don't do it, then you know what? You're in deep you-know-what. I'll say deep water. So, you know, everybody does what the head coach was. He lives and dies off of who he is. Remember, you don't get an opportunity to be the head coach at USC, but one time, okay? And if you can't get it done that, you're never going to get another job like that again. Now, Lane Kiffin and those guys were young enough to go to rehab, okay? I call it rehab and work for people uh, that they gained back their respect from working with Nick Saban, and people hired them because they were so young when this was all happening and they had all their uh, problems going on at the USC with the sanctions and other things that happened with Steve Sarkeesian where, thank goodness, they got another chance. But you've got to be able to be in charge of your football program. That's including the weight room, nutritionist, the trainers, the equipment department, everybody. And I want guys with, that respects me and says, you know, people say, we don't say yes, sir, anymore to people. Why not? I used to tell my players, you learn four words, please, thank you, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And you don't have to worry about another thing in your life. If you're too big to say that, then you're not going to make it through any doors of success. I want you to know that. So, you know, I think all of that is part of the program. It's styling. A lot too much of styling, if you know what I'm talking about. Too much Hollywood right now, as far as my opinion, in the USC football program. Too much styling, the video thing that came out, and all of these different things, and all the media stuff that goes out, social media. Too much styling, rather than what you're there to do. Go to school, get a great education, and play for a national championship. So that's my feeling as far as my overall opinion of what I see there. All right, Coach, we got one last one from Thomas. Uh, email says, USC Spotlight. Hello, fellow Trojans. In your opinion, what can USC do to carve out more visibility in the college football landscape? Some have suggested having earlier game times to accommodate the East Coast-centric coverage on Saturdays. With its history and brand, shouldn't USC be part of the national conversation more in college football as opposed to a, a West Coast afterthought? Thanks for your work and fight on from Thomas. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, the best way to be able to get the national exposure and play a great primetime games, be good. When you're good, at net, networks want you on. When you're, when you're a great football program with great football players, uh, you don't have any problem getting great times as far as being on the air. But if you're not very good or very exciting and you're not bringing your, your game, uh, they got to pick somebody else. Because they want to be able to, uh, you know, get the ratings they need to get. Because I know a lot of times I see the people, and you know this, Ryan, they leave the stadium even early. If the people, if they'd have played these games this year in the Coliseum, half the people wouldn't have seen three of their wins. Okay? They'd have been gone. They'd have been on the freeway, and they say, oh, my goodness, look what happened. And uh, the same thing with the television audience. You know, you've got to be able to bring a product when you're ranked in the top 10 and you're playing another team in the top 10. And it's exciting when Alabama plays USC and when Notre Dame plays USC and when Washington and Oregon play USC. And it's exciting. It's exciting. You get the national times on TV, but right now, uh, you know, the credibility, they tried to get on by doing a 9 a.m. game. But you've got to have credibility and you've got to bring the network's ratings because the millions and billions of dollars that the uh, networks are paying for these rights, they've got to get back in advertising dollars. So they've got to get numbers to show the uh, advertisers that they're getting the ratings to make their money worthwhile. And the only way you do that is win, baby, win, as Al Davis said. Win, baby, win. Yeah, and that's I agree with you, Coach. Is Nick Saban going to be complaining about like game times? Like, no. Um, if USC is winning, it has the if if it was say Washington making a run, they still might be playing a lot of Pac-12 after dark games and stuff. But if it's like a, a USC brand that's winning, I think you know in that case you you're going to find that you're going to get much better game time. So it's not. You, you, you can't have one before the other. So you can't just say, well, USC needs to be on primetime television and then things will get better. It's like, well, the, get, the, that's, the way you get there is by winning, and USC hasn't been winning. You're exactly right. So what you need to do is 
is uh, make a statement and let people know this is what you got to do. And, you know, I'm not afraid. If you're an athletic director, you got to let it, you know, you got to put it on everybody. Say, Clay, this is it. You know, is this Clay's last year or not? It is. Unless we get it done and we have better performances and we go to the Rose Bowl, we don't go, we got to go to a, a big bowl game. We got to be 10 and 1. We got to be 10 and 2, the worst. We're not satisfied with anything less than that. And you've got to set your standards at that goal. Or, but what are you going for? Yeah. I mean, we played well. We really played well today, guys. I'm really so proud of you. But we got our butts kicked. I mean, what? What are you talking about? I would have slammed the locker door and I would have told them all it was embarrassing, our performance today. Let them know what the real thing is, the real story, not just because you showed up and you, you, you know, you, uh, you styled all day. You're dancing in people's faces and doing the things out there that really, uh, you know, you, you don't deserve that. I mean, you should, you deserve to be a football player. Every single thing that you do, those pro scouts write down. I'm telling you that right now. It, it's very, very important. And there's a lot of great football players now in college football. If you watch the NFL, you see these kids from Central Michigan and all these other places. They're not all Division One Power Five players. So there's a big choice out there. So, uh, you know, you better live up to who you are and what you do on the field. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. A lot of uh, topics we had to get to today, but we got through it all, and hopefully everyone uh, enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed talking with you, Coach, but thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you very much, and for all of you out there, I hope I'm not too hard on all you Trojans, but like I said at the opening of the segment when you ask me a question i'm just going to answer it okay and uh, some of you agree with me and some of you don't but that's your right i respect your feelings also so be safe out there be good and if you're over 65 or whatever i hope you can get that vaccine and we'll get this virus out of the way so we can have spring practice and we can go to a restaurant and we can go to football games coming in the near future so follow the rules and regulations and take care of yourself all right well that's the coach harvey hyde i'm ryan abraham thanks so much for tuning in to the peristyle podcast and we will talk to you next time the rose bowl legacy foundation preserves protects and enhances the future of the rose bowl stadium as a national historic landmark america stadium has hosted two olympic games with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.inspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 